am having a tough time today, but let's jump into it. If you've been here before, this is the Connected Divergence podcast, and my name's Tina Etheridge. I'm a radical ADHD and ADHD acceptance coach, and having a hard time mostly because it's been just like a really big executive dysfunction day um, just across the board, or maybe like a bookend. The morning was a lot of executive dysfunction, and then the end of the day has been as well, and also the end of the night... Um, My boyfriend and I were clipping our dog's nails together and we accidentally hit her quick and so she was bleeding and hurting and I felt so bad. I feel so, so, so bad. Um, It's not fun. So I've kind of been in a little bit of a little freezy moment, Um, but I took a nice shower. I'm one of those people that um, water and like showering is very stimmy for me. So that was very helpful and regulating, you know, like a nice hot shower. And then I was kind of in there and thinking, and I really felt like I wanted to record today. So here I am. And I just want to say thank you all for accepting me and, is that that the right word? Yes, accepting me as I am, where I am, (laughs) right? I think for the longest time I would feel like I needed to, or I could only show up when I was feeling like proper or correct, right? Like happy and content and things are good and swell and everything's great. And it's been my journey the last couple years to come to recognize and know that it is okay for me to show up imperfectly, Um, right? Happy and content isn't perfect. Um, It's safe for me to show up and not perform or have to put on a mask or have to not show up as myself um, where I'm at. And so it's been a really amazing experience to be able to post when I'm emotionally dysregulated and to have that be received and not only just received, but I think still be able to really help people by doing so. So here we are today and thank you. All right. So today, the thing that inspired me that I wanted to talk about with you is to-do list pitfalls. (laughs) to-do list conundrums. Basically, like challenges around to-do lists that I see a lot of my neurodivergent clients experience that um, I want to help you with today. And just a little side note, if you've been listening to this podcast, I actually wrote a little baby script, a little baby baby outline, which is pretty much the first time I've ever done this. Um, So that was cool. I don't usually make scripts or outlines. I just kind of like wing it. Um, and I love, I love that. It's great. It's super fun, but we're going to try this today. So let's see how it goes. It was mostly that I had a lot of thoughts about this and I wanted to make sure I didn't forget them, honestly. All right. So let's jump into it. So we're going to talk about to-do lists and a lot of the challenges that I see people I work with experience around to-do lists and then, um, some solutions, some possibilities, some options to, approach these challenges differently and hopefully have a little bit of an easier time. So task initiation is a part of our executive functions. Task initiation is one part of our executive functions. I feel like a lot of times it's um, like when people talk about executive functioning, they think of task initiation, but fun facts, executive functioning also includes emotional regulation. It includes impulsivity, working memory, Um, 
Self-monitoring is another executive function. So like self-monitoring, how am I doing? How am I feeling? Am I hungry? Do I need to go to the bathroom? Um, how's my brain today? Why am I upset? Self-monitoring is also part of our executive functions. But right, the one that I would say pretty much every client I have ever worked with, every consult I have ever had, we start off and I usually at some point ask the question, like, what are your challenges? What's difficult? What's hard? What do you want to work on in coaching? And pretty much every single time, task initiation ends up on the list. So if you don't know, task initiation is starting a task. And so when we experience executive dysfunction, a lot of times there's something that we might want to do or need to do, right? There's maybe a deadline associated with it, or it's something really en- we really enjoy and love doing, but we can want to do it and at the same exact time feel like there is this mental and energetic wall up inside of us. And that wall of just like brain mush feeling or like a molasses or like you're walking through mud sort of feeling is kind of the feeling of task initiation, um, executive dysfunction. So an example of task initiation challenges is this morning I woke up and I wanted coffee because caffeine is helpful, right? Um, (laughs) But it took me maybe an hour, maybe honestly over an hour to decide in which format I wanted to drink my coffee. Um, I had like a protein shake that's like ready-made in the fridge. It's like a cafe latte flavor that I could have had. It has caffeine in it. I could have made um, my coffee, which I always make in a mocha pot um, with ground beans. And I could have done that, but I don't have my preferred brand of oat milk or I didn't this morning. And so the other possibility was, well, I could go to Publix and buy it and then have my good yummy oat milk that I love and not the really bland one that's very watered down. And it truly, like I was sitting on the floor and it took me an hour, maybe over an hour, um, to finally decide what I wanted to do. And it's not that I didn't want coffee, I very much wanted coffee, but right, initiating that task of like deciding, yes, this is what, how I'm going to give myself coffee. That is an example of executive dysfunction and I was having a hard time initiating the task of obtaining coffee. Another example was this evening, I wanted to go to the gym um, and I was feeling really torn about it. It was like, I want to go to the gym, but also the thought of going to the gym feels really hard and exhausting. And I was navigating those emotions and it took a lot of processing time to reach the point where I was like, yes, I do want to go to the gym. Um, But then like right after that, we did my dog's nails and that plan went out the window because my emotional regulation took priority (laughs) over going to the gym tonight. So those are some examples of task initiation struggles. So what we typically see in the neurotypical productivity world as a solution, right, for task management and, yeah, task management is a to-do list. And while I'm absolutely not here today to say that to-do lists are bad or wrong or, uh, you know, on the full scale of the spectrum, evil, like definitely not here to say that, I think there are some really common pitfalls with our approach and our mindset and our perspective towards to-do lists that can trip people up. 
So the first one that I see very often is that if we make a to-do list, it means that we have to accomplish and cross off all of the things on the list or else we are a failure. So it's this expectation that if we make a list, if the list exists, it is there um, for us. It means that we need to or should get all of the things done and crossed off on the list. And if we don't, if some of the items on the list do not get accomplished or finished, it is a reflection of our worth. And this is often something that is a subconscious experience. Um, It's not always conscious. Sometimes it is, but um, right, not a lot of us will have the experience of looking at our to-do list at the end of the day and saying, oh yes, there are two boxes unchecked. I am not worthy. (laughs) Instead, it's more commonly an experience of, um, dang, I didn't get all these things done and I really should have. Or here I am again, we have to carry this over, this task over another day and I've been doing this for a week already and it still hasn't gotten done. Do you hear my my tone as I'm speaking? It's like this internal criticism, it's this internal aberration or um, just negative self-concept towards the idea that we didn't cross off all of the things on the list. It's like this idea of like, oh, I messed up. I didn't do it right. So the outcome being whether or not we accomplish everything or most things on the list means that we are not successful, that we're not achieving, that we're not productive, right? So many times we can look at the list and see those couple boxes left or however many boxes left and we don't even look at the ones that we checked off. Those go invisible. They don't exist. We just see the ones that we didn't check off and it's like this glaring, blaring red light flashing at us of like failure, failure, wrong, wrong, wrong. So I think a lot of times our neurodivergent brains have a tendency towards this because we are often so predisposed towards all or nothing thinking and also perfectionism. Our all or nothing thinking tells us, right, I have to either do everything on the list or what's the point? I'm just going to throw the list out the window because I failed, I messed up, Or why am I even going to bother trying? And perfectionism says that we have to do it perfectly, right? We have to follow the rules. And the implicit, implied rules of a to-do list is it exists for us to check off all the boxes so that we can be productive and be getting things done and feel worthy. So this is what I see a lot, right? That the to-do list is a dictator. The to-do list is a overseer or a micromanaging boss or... Maybe, I don't know, like a really mean teacher or something. And instead, what I like to coach people on is a mindset shift. And it's to view the to-do list, right? Not as something that you are doing for it, but it is here for you. Your to-do list is a support tool that is meant to support your brain and help your brain remember the things that you want to, need to, and care to do. But it is not a dictator. It is not the boss of you, you are the boss. And so one way to look at this and apply this in real life, or a couple ways, I'll get into it. But really what we're here to do is break down and deconstruct the idea that not finishing, not quote unquote finishing, means that we are not worthy. We are here to deconstruct that idea, to make space for something new to bloom and grow. So there are a couple ways we can go about doing this. We can combine a lot of different ways, but 
The first one that I really love to offer people is to look at your to-do list, not as a to-do list. You don't even have to call it a to-do list, but instead to call it a menu of options. So a menu of options does not mean that you need to consume or do every single menu option, option on the menu is what I meant to say. You don't have to do everything on the menu, right? Um, You don't have to eat every dessert on the menu. You don't have to have every appetizer on the menu and every entree. This is a menu of options. And so you get to decide what things you want to do. And I believe this is really, really important because a lot of times we will look at to-do list, look at a to-do list. Wow, I'm having like a brain stuttering moment this evening and that's totally fine. But um, there's a lot of, okay, what am I trying to say? There's a lot of neurotypical productivity strategies like eat the frog, which means do the hardest thing first or prioritization, right? Maybe label with numbers on your list. Here's number one, priority number one, priority number two, priority number three, with the idea being, okay, if these are priorities, I should get them done first. And right, the neurotypical productivity world will tell you, oh yes, you did all the hard things first and you completed them. Oh, you're gonna feel so good and the rest of your day is gonna go by so easily and you feel great. And that works for some people and I love that for them, but it doesn't work for everyone. And instead, what I like to propose is the opposite, right? Don't, don't, you can prioritize, that's fine. But when we look at our to-do list as a menu of options, we get to decide what sounds tasty, what we're hungry for, what sounds yummy. And so this is the idea of following your dopamine, following your joy, following your glimmers, and creating accessibility, right? Not all the times we look at our to-do list and we're like, yay, joy, but it's about asking ourselves and checking in with our brains and our bodies for what feels accessible and what feels doable. And sometimes what feels easy, yes. And sometimes what feels easy. And here's the difference. Here's the change that happens when we do this. When we do what feels easy, we experience a victory condition, right? <laughs> like we have the opportunity to celebrate, right? We cross something off the list. We got some good, good dopamine in our brain. We did a thing. The list is now smaller. All of these things propel and feed into the feeling of accomplishment, right? We're giving our brains dopamine. And this creates a dopamine snowball effect. So a lot of times when we experience victory and small wins and tiny wins, right? We're like, ooh, that felt good. I kind of want to do more or let's see what's next or what's the next thing that feels accessible? What's the next thing that sounds doable in my brain? And this is about nervous system safety. This is about protecting your positive emotional experiences as much as possible, when possible, at all costs. And this is how we do things sustainably. I've talked about this in other podcast episodes. So having that menu of options where we check in with ourselves and right not logically, rationally, cognitively, intellectually deciding, oh, here's what I should do next, but instead checking in with our intuition. What does our intuition tell us is the next thing that we want to do, can do, what sounds good? Okay, so another tool that I would like to offer you, and again, you can combine these all together, you can do them separately, you can do them as needed, but another tool that can be really helpful is a done list instead of a to-do list. So this looks like not here are the things that I need to do today, but instead 
writing things down as you do them, as you accomplish them. And of course, I've said this a million times, but I'm going to say it again. It is important to acknowledge and self-celebrate tiny wins, not just the big ones, not just I got my master's degree or I graduated from college or I moved into a new place, right? Yes, those are wins. Those are great wins and of course, deserving of celebration, but our tiny wins and especially the things that are commensurately or proportionately difficult having an ADHD brain, those things are so deserving of wins. And so a done list, you know, kind of like what I talked about before when we have our to-do list and there's like those three unchecked items, those three empty boxes, and that's all we see. We just see all the things that we didn't do. The done list is meant to be a reflection of all of the things that we did do so that we can feel proud of ourselves and celebrate and notice and witness our accomplishments, right? This is a neuroplasticity tool because so often our brains are wired to see all that we haven't do, all that we didn't do, all that we haven't gotten done. And so a neuroplasticity technique is to change that perspective entirely and look and see and witness and celebrate all that we have done. All right, so another area where I often see people get tripped up is if you are someone who experiences demand avoidance, to-do lists can be really tricky to navigate if you're someone with a demand avoidance. And if you don't know what demand avoidance is, it's basically this experience where, um, right, like a, right, the, the, what's the word, the common term is pathological demand avoidance, right? That is the far end of the, the spectrum for demand avoidance, um, And the other term that is commonly used is persistent drive for autonomy. Um, And so this can look like when there's certain structures or rigidity to our routines, we can have this sort of like internal rebellion or internal feeling of claustrophobia. That's how it feels for me. I feel almost like emotionally claustrophobic um, where we want to run away from that rigidity or that overly imposing structure. Um, We want to run the heck away from it as far as we can. Um, For me as a child, that looked like I would have soccer practice at regularly scheduled times, right? Like soccer games on Saturdays and practice on Tuesdays and Thursdays or whatever. And piano lessons on Wednesdays. I don't know, whatever, but that's the idea. And for those sort of appointments, my brain, (laughs) after a while, when the novelty wore off, I wanted to quit. More than anything in the whole world, I wanted to quit. Some of those reasons were very valid and um, made complete sense. But also, in addition, um, I was experiencing demand avoidance because I lacked autonomy and choice. Right now, there's this thing that I'm obligated to attend and people are expecting this from me and my parents are making me go versus I had autonomy over my choice. Um, That was a really big struggle for me and it continues to be to this day. My demand avoidance can be very, very strong. And demand avoidance can be something that is experienced with to-do list items. I would say, especially for me, I experience the most demand avoidance when it comes to, I had to really think about this one. So my, my relationship to this experience has changed and it's because I use tools to help me. But last year, a year ago, I tried using a dopamine menu, the menu of options, um, to 
support myself in remembering what are the things that I love and enjoy doing, like my hobbies and my interests and the things that I find really fun or regulating or relaxing, um, like a predetermined list. And again, my pitfall was I had the expectation that I need to do all of these things every single day, right? Like Duolingo to learn Spanish. And I think I had like going to the gym or working out or maybe taking my dog for a walk. I don't remember. I think probably reading, but I had a lot of things on the list. And because I looked at that list of like, yes, I need to do all of these things every single day. (laughs) um, Right. I was looking at it from a a consistency angle instead of a persistence angle. Um, My demand avoidance raged forward. Right. And so it got to the point where I didn't use the list. Um, I wasn't using the list and the list existed, right? I would make it every day. Um, I would usually like write it out every day, but I wouldn't be doing anything on the list. And it was because I was experiencing demand avoidance. I didn't have enough autonomy. And I would say the thing that, what am I trying to say? (laughs) The thing that really, really helps my, me and so many of my clients with this particular area of like, right, like, oh, cool, I did this for two weeks and then never ever again um, because the novelty wore off and then my demand avoidance came in very strongly. The thing that helps the most is, again, valuing persistence instead of consistency. And I say this all the time. It's so important. It is everything to value persistence, coming back to doing the things that we want to do, allowing for life's flexibility. There's going to be weeks that we get sick. There's going to be weeks that we're on vacation or traveling or we move and our routines get completely thrown off and all of that is okay and normal and human and we need to accommodate it. We need it to be part of the picture, right? We need to accommodate um, weeks before our period when our executive dysfunction is through the roof and uh, doing everything is really hard, we need to accommodate that in on purpose intentionally because it's a perfectionist idea to say, yep, every week's going to be perfect and I'm going to have full capacity and bandwidth and I'm going to have so much energy and my mental health is going to be great and I'm going to be able to do all of the things. That is very idealistic and I love that, but it's not real life. So part of what really helped me be able to have a menu of options style to-do list and maintain one is to look at it as a persistence value instead of a consistency value. Like, no, this is a menu of options. It is not a list of demands or commands. Okay, the next pitfall that I see very, very commonly, and this is what I was like really excited to share with you guys today. Okay, so circling it all back, right? When I first started this little podcast episode over here, I mentioned how... Task initiation is the one thing that pretty much everyone comes to me and tells me that they struggle with. So task initiation, starting a tasks, starting a task. (laughs) And yet, and yet, and yet, what do we find when we approach and use to-do lists, right? When do we end up crossing the thing off the list? Not when we start, but when we finish the task, right? That is when it is socially, culturally, neurotypically acceptable to cross the task on the list. So what are we rewarding here? What are we feeding into or filling up here, right? 
It's the finishing. We're focusing on the finishing when we as ADHDers and neurodivergent people, that is not the thing that's hard for us. The starting, the just getting started is what's hard because of task initiation challenges and executive dysfunction. So I think it is immensely valuable to cross the thing off your list when you start it instead of when you finish it. Or alternatively, like you can have a a signifier or marker that shows that you started it because again, that's what we want to value and reward, right? If we're talking about terms of neuroplasticity, right, to make a change in our brain, we want to make positive emotional experiences and positive memories and victory conditions and celebration and wins be the fact that we started. We want to make starting a really positive memory and emotional experience that our brain is like, oh yes, we've done that before and it was very safe and the world didn't end and I didn't die. It actually was pretty great. We had a good time. That is what is going to enable sustainability and coming back to doing the things that we want to do and have this be a habituated sort of like default pathway that feels really easy. So it is very important in my opinion to in whatever way feels accessible to you, whether it's crossing it off the list when you start or, um, you know, I've kind of seen it a lot of times where people will write an X for a complete task and you can just draw one part of, how do I say this? One part of the X or the first line of the X um, when you start it and then maybe the second line to finish it out when you finish. And I'm sure there's more ways to do this. Um, Like, you know, you could get creative with like some highlighter or whatever, but This is really, really important. We want to, we need to reward starting and like finishing too, right? We definitely want to feel good when we finish, but with having ADHD, the starting is the hard part. So like, let's actually be intentional about that. Okay. So the last kind of like concrete nugget before I want to give you some templates um, that I want to share with you is the pitfall of feeling like okay, if I put on my list or my menu that I'm going to do laundry, um, that means I have to do all of it, (laughs) right? Like, again, it's about finishing. It's about like getting it done. It's about finishing it out. Um, And it's so interesting because like, what does finished even really mean? Like, finished is just such an abstract concept to me. Like when I think of watercoloring and saying like, yes, I want to watercolor today, And like telling myself, oh, I can only cross this off when my painting is finished. Like what does finished even really mean anyway? I could just keep adding more and more and more paint to this. Like the finishing doesn't matter. (laughs) It just matters that, you know, I started or that I did something. Um, And so coming back to coming back to this, this idea that I'm proposing to you is a lot of times I see that, right, we feel like we need to finish And it means that we do not stop, right? If we say, I'm going to do the dishes, it means I have to do all of the dishes in the sink or else this doesn't count. And what ends up up happening, right? We say we're going to do laundry and that means doing all of the laundry. That feels exhausting. That feels really hard. It promotes us right into all or nothing thinking where it either feels like we have to do all the laundry, all of the dishes, and then we're exhausted and drained and just like maybe demand avoidant, uh, angsty feelings, um, right? We're not feeling good in our brain. We did not have a good time. We do not have positive emotional memories. We have negative emotional memories that are going to keep our subconscious minds wanting to run away from these things. Never do it again. 
brain. That was a terrible time. We're not doing that again. So it is extremely important to break away from your all or nothing thinking and stop when you need to stop. Stop when you get tired. Stop when it feels hard. Stop when your brain hits a wall instead of trying to push through and grind and force yourself to finish. This is my definition of self-trust. Honoring your needs is self-trust. It is way more important to me than any sort of like, oh, I said I was going to do this, so I need to do it. That is not self-trust to me. Self-trust is honoring your needs because, again, it's all about nervous system safety and we need to create nervous system safety for these things that we want to do so that we can do them sustainably. So it's really, really important to honor your no, honor your yes too, but also honor your no and stop when you need to stop. And, you know, (laughs) this is challenging for a lot of people. I don't want to undermine that that's not a challenging thing to reprogram, but I think it can be really helpful to make it an intentional plan, right? Like um, to, again, get our our brain comfortable with this very different experience, right? Using different neural networks for the first time ever. It can be really helpful to set that as the intention of like today or even write it on your your menu of options or your to-do list for today. Like today I'm going to just wash the silverware and that is it, right? Or I'm going to just put away my socks and underwear because that's what feels accessible and easy and that then I'm going to stop, right? Like actually intentionally practicing, stopping, doing less, showing your brain that it's possible to do less and making it very safe to do less. Okay, okay, okay. So let's talk about um, some templates, some ideas. I'm just going to walk you through how I approach my to-do list menu of options moment and give you some possibilities and ideas for how you might do it or what might feel good for your brain. And if you have other thoughts or inputs or options or possibilities or templates, I would love to hear it. So please send me an email or message me on Instagram. Okay, so first off, I cannot use a planner or a notebook. Those do not work for me. Anything that is closable, closed, closed, um, if I don't see it, it doesn't exist. And so even a closed planner, a closed notebook, it is gone I don't see it. It doesn't exist, right? Then I have to take like all of the executive functioning to like open it or like find it or pull it out of my bag and then like open it to the right page. Like it is not accessible for me to use a planner. If you are a planner person, I love that for you. But for me, it doesn't work. And so what I use instead is I use a really, really cheap, simple um, tear off note sheet, like a lined sort of like tear off note sheet. So It's not a book that opens and closed. The paper is right smack in front of my face, so I cannot miss it. It is very visual. It is very visible. And so what it would look like for me is, right, let's say I I walk into my office in the morning um, or my living room in the morning. It's usually in my office, but I will see the menu of options from the previous day, right? And so the things that I did do, um, those things are crossed off. So Right off the bat, I have a visual cue for, right? It's not just a blank piece of paper. Um, Sometimes it is, but usually it's not. It's like, hey, this exists. And remember, Tina, like there is a list that exists of things that you like to do, want to do, enjoy doing. And I would even say if you're going to try this for the first time, it might be a good idea to just stick with this concept for the things that you 
like are joyful and fun and that you already like doing, right? That are not hard or painful or difficult, but that you already like to establish it um, in your brain. And then you can branch out to applying in other ways because, right, we talked about a lot of concepts today. We talked about a lot of different mindset shifts today. And I would never expect someone to snap your fingers. Now, all of these are ingrained in your brain, um, right? This is a practice. This is 100% a practice. And it's something that builds over time. So it might be beneficial. I mean, you do you, but it might be beneficial to have your menu of options just be a menu of like fun things that you really, really enjoy. So when I walk in and I see my list from the other day, that kind of prompts me to tear off the page, have a fresh page right up front, and then write out the things that I want to do, the things that were on the previous day. And it's so funny because if I throw away the top sheet of paper before writing the things down, I will like literally miss stuff, right? If I don't see it, it doesn't exist. And that that includes for this list that I make literally almost every day of my life. Like I'll miss that, oh, right, journaling, something I want to do. Or, oh, right, I forgot that I like doing tarot for self-reflection. Um, or, oh, yeah, my diamond painting. I totally didn't add that to the list. It's just so interesting to me. Um, so, yes, it's very, very helpful to have that be a visual list. And so, right, again, I have this visual list, this visual menu of options, and I look at it and I say, what do I want to do? What sounds accessible? What sounds doable? What sounds fun? What sounds easy? And one of the most important things here is accessibility. A lot of times in our minds, right, like I might say, read my fiction book on my list. And we might have this subconscious idea of like, oh, reading means, (laughs) oh, reading means reading 50 pages or reading 30 pages or even reading like 10 pages, right? This very specific number. And I would encourage you to break away from measurable tasks. (laughs) Um, I know that everybody loves smart and smarter goals, but as an ADHD coach, I despise and loathe them for so many reasons. I made a post about this a long time ago, Um, but they enable and encourage all or nothing thinking, right? If I read 30 pages, that means that I am worthy and good and I followed the rules and I did it perfectly. If I don't read 30 pages, I failed and I'm a failure and I messed up and um, I don't deserve to celebrate myself. That is the old patterning, the old conditioning that we are here to break away from. So if you ever do make yourself a menu of options, I would personally strongly recommend Um, unless you have strong feelings otherwise, not to put on specific measurable outcomes like read five pages or walk for 30 minutes or I don't know if you're like a diamond painter, like complete one section of my diamond painting. Um, I would strongly urge you not to do that because it doesn't allow for autonomy. It doesn't allow for flexibility. It doesn't allow for self-accommodation. Um, right? The sort of idea that not every week is going to be a high capacity week. It doesn't allow for a lot of things. Okay, so coming back, circling back, I was talking about accessibility. Um, Accessibility is really, really important here. And accessibility is important on a lot of scales. Number one, and probably the most important thing, is that the thing that you want to be doing, the thing that sounds fun and joyful, it needs to be accessible. And that is a moment-to-moment decision, 
that we get to feel our way through, right? Accessible doesn't mean, oh, it should feel easy for me to go on a walk because at least I'm not like running or sprinting or doing a hint workout. Um, accessible means what feels doable right now in this moment, not what would ideal me do or what would perfect future self me do. It's what feels doable right now in this moment. And so that's an important part of it, right? If exercise or move your body is something that's on your list, then like stretching in your chair, that needs to count. That needs to be cross off the list, check the box worthy. Or having a two minute dance party, listening to the song that you've been like binge listening to all week because it just does something for your brain. Like having that two minute dance party, listening to that song, that has to count, right? Um, maybe it's some just like gentle yoga for like one minute or one 30 second plank. Like we have to make things accessible for our brain. We have to create victory conditions. We have to celebrate ourselves because this is what's going to feed us to do more and more and more because it creates that nervous system safety and it, it, it holds us lovingly and supportively away from shame, which is really what we're here to do. Okay, also, if something that you want to do is like crocheting or knitting um, or your painting project, those items that are required for you to do this thing that you want to do cannot be buried at the back of your closet. It cannot be the kind of situation where it takes 30 minutes to like find or prepare or like hopefully not set up. I really hope not for you. (laughs) Uh, The thing to do with the thing that you want to do, that is not very accessible right? Like my diamond painting um, is on a very small, very cheap folding table, (laughs) very rickety folding table um, in my, like, I guess it's kind of like our our game room um, or like our hangout room. Um, And it's not, it's not pretty. It's not necessarily like beautiful. It's not this like gorgeous wood table, but it's accessible and it's also not in the way. Um, <laughs> it doesn't like keep me from being able to eat dinner or something like that. Or it isn't this whole massive process of like set up and then take down because my executive functioning cannot handle things like that. So the things that we want to do, they need to be highly accessible. They need to be visual. So you can have, um, I think I mentioned this, like the art cart. I think I mentioned that in a podcast really recently or a tote bag that has your crochet project in it, everything right there ready to go, or like your embroidery project right there, or um, right like the tarot deck that you enjoy using, not hidden in the depths of a bookshelf, but somewhere out very visible, visible, very visual that feels accessible, right? It just feels like you can just like grab it and do the thing. Accessibility is so important on so many fronts. Okay, I feel like I covered pretty much everything I want to say. I might be forgetting a couple things, but that's okay. Um, So yeah, I use that tear-off piece of paper, um, but I've been doing this for a long time, um, like at least a year now. Uh, So uh, a conversation that I had with a client recently, um, like I've just been doing this for so long that I didn't even think about this, but I think it's really important is like sometimes just like establishing the habit or, ooh, I don't know if I like that phrasing, um, the behavior, the do, 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 the, the motion, <laughs> I'm not sure, of doing this list sort of thing, even on a tear-off notepad, right? Like, if you've never done it before, 
you don't really have that like habit thing ingrained in your brain of like, yes, this is what I do here. Um, and so that can be a challenge, right? Because you've never done it before. And so some ways to make this more accessible, more supportive, um, or maybe that would just work better for you, for your brain forever, right? You don't have to do the list thing. Um, so number one would be a whiteboard. Um, I feel like a lot of times ADHD brains love whiteboards until the novelty wears off. But hey, if you love whiteboards, that's great. I would strongly recommend not the kind of whiteboard that you hang on a wall um, that is like affixed or even its home is on a wall because a lot of times those sort of things will become like the background noise or just like the I don't know. We just don't see it anymore. It just beca- it just blends in. <laughs> so we don't even see it. It doesn't even exist anymore because it just blends in. And um, so I, I kind of wouldn't really recommend a fixed whiteboard for that reason. But I think like a small tablet-sized whiteboard that can be on your desk. Um, I've actually think I've seen these on Amazon. They're like little, I don't know how to describe it. That's fine. But they exist. Um, these little desk whiteboard situations exist. And I think that could be really cool, right? We're talking about accessibility. And one of the most important concepts to me personally about this process, this protocol, is that I have an active um, participation in it. Um, It's purposeful. It's logical. It makes sense to my brain. And so for me, when I see that piece of paper and I've crossed things off my list or I've checked the box, right? And then it's a new day. It's almost like this prompt for me of like, ah, yes, like let me tear off this sheet and write these things down and I'm using my hand and it's a tactile sensory visual experience and that solidifies it in my brain. And so I kind of have the feeling for most people that it could be really beneficial to have that level of engagement. Like if it was a whiteboard little desk situation, um, right? Like you could erase the right the whiteboard and then write it out again or erase maybe like your checkboxes and then write in your new checkboxes again like there I think that level of engagement can be really helpful and also the flexibility to say like hey I've had this thing on my list for the last three weeks and I haven't done it a single day like let me take it off the list because maybe that actually means that (laughs) this is more of a should than something that I actually really want to and enjoy doing right like that is totally fair. So I think that level of like flexibility and engagement can be really fun. But another way to approach this that might be even more accessible, especially if you are just now first starting out, is to have a sort of like pre-printed little moment going on. So I have a client who went on Canva and basically created this like personalized, customized daily notepad spread. um, And basically like for her, it's like, what are my top three priorities for today? I'm going to blink on the rest. But um, one section of this like daily spread is she's planning on writing out like the things that she enjoys doing that that she wants to be supported and remembering that she likes doing. And so having that like maybe pre-printed would be an accessible way if you don't really have that habit of like, yes, this is a thing that I write. Uh, (laughs) This is a thing that I do. This is an approach that I now take. Um, and that way it's already there and it's already smack right in front of you. Um, so that could be another way to do it too. Okay. And I feel like the one last little baby, baby, bitty thing that I want to express is, 
I don't know. I saw a YouTube video recently that was talking about like, are you a daily planner, a weekly planner, or a monthly planner? And that like, how is your brain wired? And for me, in my conception of time, which is very odd as it is for most of us um, ADHD years over here, my conception of time is so off that I'm like, you know, if I think back to what happened Monday, I'm like, I don't even know. what What is a Monday? Like what? I don't know what happened. Um, and so for me, like, right, that sort of don't see it doesn't exist can be kind of beneficial for me when it comes to that persistence journey because every day feels like a fresh start, right? That sort of tear off page that I have every day and I tear off a page and then I have a new page and like write the things that I want to do. Every day is a fresh start. So it really doesn't matter if the day before I didn't um, do all the things on my list, right? That's, that's again, something that I'm trying to encourage. Of like, it's okay if I don't do all of the things on my list. It's a menu. It's not a list of demands. Um, that to me is really supported by the daily refresh, the daily reset, because then every day is like a fresh start versus, right, I've seen some like weekly planner spreads or like weekly to-do list spreads where um, it's kind of like the bullet journaling sort of style where you have like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then the things that you want to do for like everyday sort of things like your morning routine, your evening routine, or walking the dog or whatever else. Like I've often seen that be the case where if you don't have these concepts that I talked to you and shared with you today, solid, like concrete, solid, yes, persistence, yes, not being all or nothing. Yes, it's safe to do less. Um, I don't remember what else, but right. The things that I talked about today, if that isn't like super, super solid, then a sort of weekly planner to-do list, um, even like menu spread is going to be really challenging because you're going to look at your week and you're going to see all of those blank boxes and there's going to be maybe a lot of them some weeks because that happens. That is real life. And if you you already are predisposed to beating yourself up and feeling like shit, um, that's going to be really hard to maintain and you're probably going to drop off of it really, really fast. So, Again, I think um, that's something that you can evolve and progress into. It's something that I've been experimenting with now, coming back with the weekly idea, um, but it's still in the experimental stages and I might hate it and that's totally fine, but it does feel a little bit more accessible now that I've been practicing all of these mindsets and perspectives for like a solid year, if not more than that by now. Actually, it's more like a year and a half at this point. So anyway, I think the thing that I'm trying to say is fresh start, new day, persistence, breaking away from all or nothing. It can be a really helpful way to go. Um, I have seen some people with like a monthly habit tracking or like even year-long habit tracking and like, oof, I, um, maybe one day, but not today. My brain is just not wired that way. Okay, so thank you so much for joining joining me on this journey of lists and to-do lists and how to approach to-do lists in a way that is supportive and accessible and breaks away and really deconstructs a lot of the sort of neurotypical ways of doing things. I hope this was helpful. I feel like I've talked about many of these concepts a little bit more like disparately in, you know, series of podcasts that I've done over time, but I think it's nice to have it all in one place in a specific sort of way where it's applied to um, one 
specific tool. So thank you for listening. I hope you all have a wonderful week. Have a nice time with your families and I will talk to you next week. Take care. Bye.